Drunk Mythology Friends. I'm Kate. I'm Jen. And I'm the other Jen. And we're the Drunk Mythology Gals. <laughs> I've been going slow the past few weeks and like, you know, I... delaying and dragging it out. Yeah. Today I was like, okay, I'm just going to jump in as fast yeah. as I can. I noticed. No, I was just going and, for it. And I think you predicted that, didn't yeah. you? Yeah. You knew what I was going to do. <laughs> you do. <laughs> Honestly, watching you two like <laughs> Ravenclaw it out is one of the highlights of my week, which says something more about me than it does you, but it does. still. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So this week's episode... Mm-hmm. Um, has nothing to do with the speed of which we say drunk mythology gals, <laughs> but it does have everything to do with our release date, which is March 15th. Mm-hmm. Is this whole episode about my husband's 50th birthday? <laughs> He's going to be 50? Yeah, and he is crying so hard over this. Oh, damn. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, he, the big five zero. He's just, he's not doing well with this. <laughs> you know, I don't think this episode is going to help. <laughs> I'm just saying, or it might help in terms of being like an emotional support episode because it will justify his rage. <laughs> so yeah, the, this week we're talking the man, the myth, the salad, and everything to do with March 15th. So before we get started, our sacrifices to Odin this week? Uh, just just more taxes. Damn it. <laughs> it's, it doesn't end. It doesn't end. <sighs> OG? Of just book launch everything. Although I will say the day I posted his drink was the day I had the most technical issues because I thought it'd be fun to have Loki interrupt him. Right. And I think he took offense to that. And I yep. paid dearly that day. It was the only mm-hmm. day that I had technical difficulties. Well, mm-hmm, so. you know, I, I mean, you didn't ask me about that, but I could have told you that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what? I thought he'd be cool with it this time, but. I could have told you not to do the thing. <laughs> Don't do the thing. But who else is Loki going to interrupt? Yeah, right. exactly. He should have been expecting it. Right. It's, that's on him. Yeah, I agree. And great. I love that. how terrified Kate is. I am so, look, you know, it only takes losing one thumb one time to be oh, completely terrified. Well, but like, did, 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 you know, Eric gain more wisdom from that sacrifice? No. (laughs) No. Oh my god. I mean, yes, we're now both certified leech therapists. There you go. Yeah. You gain knowledge. Yeah, you gain knowledge. You gain knowledge. I could have. I I could have gone my whole life without knowing how to keep a leech awake while it feeds. Thanks. (laughs) So I'm going to offer up that terrible memory. You know, Odin was just trying to be helpful. Um, I'm not going to take your advice on that shit anymore. Probably is a good idea. (laughs) But no, um, I'm going to offer uh, the fact we had to buy a new faucet for the kitchen sink 
last night because mm. the old one like started spurting everywhere. Oh dear. It was splattering. I was gonna ask. Was it splattering or spattering? Oh, it was splattering. <laughs> okay. It was splattering, not spattering. So that's what I'm offering up. <laughs> and what are you drinking today? Are you drinking water from that brand new tap? I am not. <laughs> I actually have a very interesting new cocktail. So yesterday at Trader Joe, I found something. Was it? No, sorry, not Trader Joe. It was at Target of all places. I saw rose lemonade. Rose lemonade. Rose flavored lemonade. Hmm. And I can tell okay, you, I'm- it's a fucking winner. Is, is this non-alcoholic or it's is It's non-alcoholic, this... but I fixed it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I added vodka. There you go. <laughs> but you know what? I think gin would probably be even better. Uh-huh. Mm. So, yeah, I'll, okay. I'll post a picture to you guys of this. It's Flightman's Rose Lemonade at Target. Flightman's? Okay. Yeah. Because I just live Googled the Target website and found a rose lemonade, but a different brand. And that could be just a, you know, because I'm on the other side of the country from you. It could be. Or, so, yeah. sorry, Fentiman's. Fentiman's is the brand that I have yeah. in front of me. Yeah. yeah. So I just posted a picture to our um, mm-hmm. Discord and yeah. it's delicious. Is the rose flavor strong? Because I've only tasted things with rose flavor a few times. And it's probably a very acquired taste. That well, I'm half I Indian haven't... and there isn't anything we don't put rose water in. Yeah. <laughs> I remember. Okay. I think okay. I, I, I have acquired that taste just because. <laughs> I know. She grew up <laughs> yeah. being subjected to all the that different. And cardamom and coffee. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Chai. Yep. You're like, mm-hmm. I know uh, OG is like, bitch, don't even with the chai. I've had chai. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like my dad was serious about his chai. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. it's not chai until the milk is about to boil over and explode. <laughs> no, but it, the rose flavor is, it's very present, but it's not okay. sort of the... It doesn't have like the super sugary syrup underneath it. Okay. So like if you, and that's why I think gin would be even better because it'll kind of cut the, the perfume a little bit. Got it. So it's, it's a fairly strong present perfume, but not a sugar. If you know what I'm saying. I'm I'm game to try it. Uh, You know, I... I was like, eh, you know, what's it going to be? Because usually like flavored seltzers and stuff, I'm like, ugh, I can taste the chemical underneath. But this, legit pretty fucking awesome. <laughs> so anyway, that's what I'm drinking. Awesome. And what kind of vodka? Uh, L- Luso Kaus. It's a Polish one. L- that- Lukosana, Lusikana, something like that. Lusikowska or something like that. Yeah, I remember it, it, coming. It's, across. it's a Polish one that Eric yep. found because he's like, no, we're not doing, we're not doing Russian vodka at the moment. Yeah. Well, we we mentioned last week that I was researching for a 
replacement mm-hmm. to my to my yes. Russian vodka, even though my the brand I have been loyal to is American owned. It is produced on Russian soil. Yeah. And, and no, no shade on the Russian people, the majority of whom have like no fault in this, but Right. Exactly. But I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm gonna pause on consuming this. I'm not gonna go dumping it in the street. I mentioned that last week yeah. that I've seen some you know news articles and clips of people dumping their Russian vodkas out into the streets. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm not going to do that. I'm yeah. just going to hit pause and I'm going to find a different, different vodka. And I found one. Oh. Belvedere. Oh, I know and I, Belvedere. And I posted on our Facebook page, a nice little, um, I, I reposted something from their Facebook page. Okay. Where they have donated. I'm trying to find the dollar amount. I because I don't want to say the wrong dollar amount mistakenly. They made a big fat donation to uh help in the Ukraine. Oh that's awesome. And they are coming out of Poland. Uh, well, and Poland is like exercise. It's like flexing its superhero muscles right now in terms of taking in all these refugees. Right. Uh, their first emergency donation of 5 million euros. Wow. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I have a new a new vodka brand until further notice. And Belvedere is pretty decent. Oh, it's Wonderful, and Kate can a can, can it's very the word? strong. Uh, Kate can account for my enjoyment of it earlier this week. <laughs> As a test, there's the word uh, I was looking for. Assuming I remember, because <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was uh-huh. drinking the Dutch vodka. Yeah, I had infused I, with uh, lemon. I drank half a bottle in one drink. It it was a very tall glass. It was. And the bottle is still sitting there on the kitchen counter, like taunting me. Like, I know Come what you at did. Me. Finish me. Come on. Yeah, it's like finish it. <laughs> I know what you did two days ago. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you're the one who posted the screenshot of how long we were on the phone with each other. <laughs> yes. So Kate that. and I ended up on a three hour phone call. It was over three hours. Most yeah. of which I don't remember. <laughs> I but kept I'm getting, okay with that. I kept getting message updates. <laughs> yeah. Look, so we- all of that to say, I'm still drinking water recovery. <laughs> We're still in recovery. It was about forty-eight hours ago, and I'm still yeah. like, nope, too soon. <laughs> and I was, I was joking with her. It's because of having to do all social media this week. <laughs> oh my god! I'm so proud of her. She's learned a lot of things of how to share posts. Like, yeah. Oh. yeah, I, I was quite active on. You're getting all a lot faster. Am I? <laughs> yeah. The first one took you like three hours to figure out. I think. Are, are you down to is, like is that five shade? minutes? Is, is that is shade not, on it, her skill I, or on no. potentially casting aspersions about her sobriety and recovery? Yeah, I, no. I mean, like, I feel bad that I drove her to this. <laughs> to 
needed some kind of relaxation because yeah. Yeah, because this was after five days in yeah. a row of a whole lot more activity on social media than yeah. I am accustomed to. Yeah. On and especially on Twitter. I yeah. saw you on Twitter a lot. I know. Yes. I never opened Twitter. I felt so blessed because I know how difficult that was. (laughs) All right. So, OG. I have my tepid water in my flamingo glass. I want you to know. I was asked asked this morning which glass I wanted. And I was going to be given the mini mouse. And I said, no, it has to be a flamingo. Wait, who is going to give it to you? Rafi. Is he in charge of your glass distribution? No, he... Unloaded the dishwasher this morning, and so he just was about to just hand me one out of the dishwasher, and I said, "Nope, I cannot take that." And he asked me why, and then he was just sighed when I and explained it to him. He regretted <laughs> asking he immediately why. Regretted because yeah. I'm like, "Why? What's wrong with this one?" And he's like, "What? Well, this one's smaller than the other one." I'm like, "It doesn't matter. It's it's <laughs> podcast. It's a podcast day." Yeah, there you go. Well. <laughs> Oh so my with that, I think you should get to the disclaimer. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> thanks for telling me what to do. Do not drink and drive. <laughs> Cars, chariots, eight-legged horses. Uh, I guess leeches, half-drunk vodka bottles. Yeah. Oh my god. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> do I have to say that because it's on the screen? You know, uh, honestly, whatever is just the cri de coeur. It, it yeah. works. You know, yeah. the what? No, forget I asked the what. Just move yeah, on. Don't, don't. Move on. Why, why did you ask her that? Don't. <laughs> Let's do get I need started. To do- yeah, there we go. A long time ago, when the world was young and nobody did a cri de coeur. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> okay. So I have to say that I'm going to tell you a story about history, and there is going to be a lot of subtext and a lot of connections to current affairs and such and parallels and comparisons, but I am not going to go there. Okay. Y'all can do it yourselves. You can bring it up in the questions and shit. But if I were to do it, it would be a multi-part series, Got with it. each episode being two hours or so. And Ooh. yeah, it, because um, yeah, America it's... is often compared to Rome. Interesting. In fact, a lot of very strong countries and empires are often compared to Rome. Okay. And I'm just going to leave it at that because otherwise we're talking about a semester and (laughs) let's start in a better, simpler, happier place with just some facts. So I'm just going to give you a really brief background about where and when it is we're talking about. So everything we're going to talk about today happens in ancient Rome But there are three flavors of ancient Rome. Oh. There was the early, early founding period where they had a series of kings as opposed Mm -hmm. to emperors or whatever. Like it was literally sort of a feudal ancient king system. And then that was overthrown and they became a representative republic. 
And so you had the Republic of Rome. Okay. And then that shit the bed and they became an empire. So you have Mm. Imperial Rome. Okay. I'm not sure I understand the difference. I'm not sure I understand what the difference is between kings Mm -hmm. and imperial. So... I understand Republican because that's what I live in. So the kings, it's more about the size of the territory. Okay. And the range and power of like a king would have a fairly circumscribed territory. And usually it's more or less culturally cohesive. Okay. So like think about France. Okay, so you had Mm -hmm. a king of France, and while there were different regions and dialects, it all sort of had a very cohesive French flavor to the culture. Got it. So ancient Rome, during the period of kings, this is the period where Rome is being founded. It's trying to survive and solidify its, you know, power base its resources, and they had a series of kings that um, not too many. Like it, they, it was more like a couple generations of kings where they were just trying to get themselves set up. But then, okay. you know, around 510, 500, 510 BCE, which is around the time, you know, classical Athens with its quote-unquote democracy is at its height. Ah. You know, you have these people over there in Rome saying, huh, that could work. Okay. And so they don't particularly like being under a king, and they just want to try a representative system. So that's what they do. Okay. And then when you come – so in Republican Rome, they – do a lot of expansion work and they start getting into places like Hispania and Mm -hmm. Gaul and Egypt where the cultures and languages are very different, very distinct, but they're sort of imposing their own Roman governing system on the people. Okay. So that's where you have more of an empire. They're conquering independent states. Ah, okay. Like Britain. Like, you know, you can't get more different than Britain and Rome in this time period. Got it. Okay. So now Republican Rome was just that. It was a representative republic, which is actually what we have today, as opposed to Athenian democracy which is not what we have and never have had. Okay. Um, When we talk about democracy, it's more in the idea that we have everybody, regardless of their status, has one vote. Got it. But we can't have, you know, 200 million people showing up in Washington saying, I'm going to, I have a say on this bill. Right, 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 right. Um, so that's kind of the three flavors. We're mostly focused on the middle one, Republican Rome. Okay. Okay. So 
The Republic was never exactly at peace. They were either fighting off invaders like the Gauls, who actually had sacked Rome in 387 BCE before they uh, came back a few hundred years later because they forgot their umbrella and put an end <laughs> to Rome. Um, if they weren't fighting off invaders, they were out con- doing the conquering thing. Okay. So with conquering, sure, you get land and loot, but who actually gets it? Oh. Big surprise. It wasn't the soldiers who fought and bled to win it. And it was definitely not the poor citizens of Rome. And don't make me laugh by even thinking about women and slaves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, now, interestingly, during this period of Republican Rome, there were several prominent, prominent and even noble families who tried to push for reforms. And their supporters became known as the populares, which is where we get populist. I feel like I remember this vocabulary word from yeah, like social studies classes. Is sort of the groundswelling of sentiment and opinion from the mass of a population. Okay. Okay. Think of like a grassroots. That's sure. sort of similar. Okay. Um. Now, in a very Soviet-style move, their opponents, known as the optimates, uh, who were all about, quote-unquote, traditional values, a.k.a. keeping poor people poor, had these noble supporters assassinated. Mm -hmm. I'm already picking up your your modern world... United States I'm parallel not, I'm events. Not but we're gonna going, just keep going. I'm not yeah. saying anything about this shit. We'll just keep going. Yeah. So <laughs> oh, you remember the movie Spartacus? We talked about it a little mm-hmm. bit in the context of chariot racing with the Olympics episodes. Yep. Yeah. Still haven't watched it. it you don't have I, to. But I have. Yeah. So Spartacus was a gladiator who led the slaves in a series of massive revolts, fucking Italy over for years until he was defeated in 71 BCE. Okay. So basically all of this is to say we have a lot of unrest politically. We have a lot of very polarized opinions. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of wealth and income disparity. Wow. Going on right now in this representative republic. Wow. Now, also during this time, which has absolutely no relationship to anything that's happened in the past hundred years or so in America, the big trend was to go lead some foreign conquest, win renown by slaughtering your way through the culture of a people who tended to hold multi-century grudges, <clears throat> Gaul, uh, come back to Rome, throw a big-ass parade for yourself, which is kind of similar to what we do for championship sports teams now, Uh, minus the slaves riding alongside them in the chariot, whispering, remember, thou art but mortal. (laughs) (laughs) And leveraging that shit for political power. Damn. Wow. I told you. I am, you know, Mm. the sports team thing is as close as I'm going to get to like modern day (laughs) comparisons because otherwise, yeah. 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 Um, 
basically this really good idea of having a representative republic got fucked because humans. Of course. And with these foreign campaigns and these my parade is bigger than your dick kind of contests, <laughs> um, we start seeing rivalries between these generals and their backing political parties and straight up political purges. Wow. Stalin was just con- copying the Romans. So fuck the Romans <clears throat> and fuck Stalin. But wow. Anyway, shit gets so bad that it leads to civil wars. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Surprise, Not surprise. Saying a thing about that. And that brings us to one Julius Caesar around 45 BCE. And what the image that pops in my head immediately is whoever that actor is in some old movie that's probably older than me, like, Cleopatra beside him and he's wearing like the white sheet and he's got leaf thing around his head and that's so Julius Caesar has around eating grapes with sandals (laughs) okay you're not that far off um (laughs) uh, (laughs) unfortunately and I never noticed this until now but um I'm just going to post a little picture here this is a bust of Caesar Oh, come on. Okay. Pace. There we go. He looks a little bit like Putin. Uh-oh. We're waiting for it to refresh on our end. Here it comes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. A little bit. Huh. Yeah. Would would not hit. Nope. No. <laughs> 14 out of 10 would not hit. <laughs> so, yeah. Um... We'll get to the laurel leaves and grape eating and Cleopatra in a minute. But I'm going to just back up. So we were at 45 BCE, lots of civil wars and unrest and all that. But like, put a pin in that. Okay. And we're going to go back and introduce everybody to Gaius Julius. Who? Gaius Julius Caesar. Oh, is that his real name? Yep. Is that like that's Julius like his is actually name? his family name or last name, and Caesar got tacked on to that last name years before because uh, a it's like an ancient hyphenation almost um, oh. because one of the Julii ancestors was born. Via cesarean section. Wait, are you? They the did dude, have that. The dude's name is Caesar because one of his ancestors was born by cesarean section. Either that or the ancestor killed an elephant during the Punic Wars, and the word for elephant is Caesai in ancient Moorish. Oh my God. I mean, hmm. take your pick. <laughs> oh my God. So, in a modern sense, his name would be Mr. Gaius Julius hyphen Caesar. Damn. Right? Okay. All right. So Julius Caesar is literally just saying like his Reynolds. hyphenated last name. It yeah. Wow. So 
Gaius was born in 100 BCE. And in 85 BCE, his father died, making young Gaius head of the clan at age 16. I'm guessing it was like mm-hmm. based on the the dates, the actual times in the, the year, because that's only a 15. Yeah, yeah it, it, I forget. Yeah. Like, I didn't actually write down the date dates, but yeah, yeah. that's basically what happened. He was a very young 16. Yeah. <laughs> um, the Julius family was pretty ancient, noble, but, and you know, moderately upwardly mobile politically, but not terribly powerful. But they had like a lot of people who were married to other people who were in mill management positions. Like, you know, they had a pretty solid grounding in okay. the Roman political structure. Okay. And then came along Uncle Gaius Marius. Uh, they really liked the name Gaius in that family. And yeah. he decided to try and overthrow some other general named Sulla uh, in, you guessed it, a civil war. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Sulla won, which meant that young Gaius Julius Caesar thought it was a fantastic time to join the army and take a post that was far, far away from Rome. <laughs> Oh, like I'm getting out of here kind of a Yeah. Okay. I'm a patriot. I'm going to be way like 300 miles over there. (laughs) So he tried to run away. Basically, yes, because Sulla was going through and systematically executing anybody who had opposed him. Wow. Okay. I mean, that's how you solve a problem. Legit. Yeah. (laughs) 12 out of 10 with the fuck out of Rome. (laughs) (laughs) So he went east, young man, serving in what we call modern Turkey. Oh. And when Sulla died in 78 BCE, young Gaius thought it was now pretty safe to return to Rome, even though he was penniless and would have to start from scratch, building up his power base again. But you know what? You just can't keep a good wannabe dictator down. He started making preparations to return and learning oratory and like brushing up his political skills. And he booked a voyage home. But then pirates. He was kidnapped (laughs) by pirates. (laughs) Don't you hate when that happens? (laughs) And this ain't no Tom Hanks shit. Like this, if you're going to be kidnapped by pirates, this is how you do it. So I'm just going to let the historian Plutarch tell us a little bit more about this because honestly, no one can tell it quite as good as Plutarch. So I'm envisioning, I see the dread pirate Roberts from the princess bride. (laughs) Swashbuckling. Mm. And (laughs) I think I know that's not. Read, read this too, and but... then I think okay. you're going to be more you're, you're going to be a picture. different opinion <clears throat> okay do I get to read it with a pirate accent uh, if you want if you want to give Plutarch a pirate accent okay. <laughs> 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 I, I think I would need vodka to pull that off so, it, so we'll too. play it we'll play it straight today Maybe over Just on today. Patreon. Yeah. Maybe, Maybe over we'll on Patreon, Patreon reading and pirate. Yeah. <laughs> pirate episode over there. Okay. Oh my God. Okay. 
To begin with, then, when the pirates demanded 20 talents for his ransom, I'm guessing a talent is like... It, it's a talent of like, silver. It's like a okay. un- yeah. coin or something like that. A talent would be like 20 silver or something. You know what I mean? Okay. Got it. Okay. He laughed at them for not knowing who their captive was and of his own accord agreed to give them 50. <laughs> wow. Cocky bastard. In the next place, (laughs) in the next place, after he had sent various followers to various cities to procure the money and was left with one friend and two attendants among Cilicians, 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 most murderous of men, he held them in such disdain that whenever he lay down to sleep, he would send and order them to stop talking. (laughs) <laughs> well, I, I'm not going to fault him too much there because when you are trying to sleep and everybody's just yapping around you. Yeah. And it doesn't um, matter if they're like murderous pirates. Like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> For eight and 30 days, as if the men were not his watchers, but his royal bodyguard, he shared in their sports and exercises with great unconcern. What a Wow, mm. egotistical. And yet, he's like a 25 year old ballsy, like, I don't have a political power base and I'm scrounging up this ransom, but wow. fuck it, I'm not a cheap bitch. So <laughs> negotiate up. Wow. But wait, there's more. Of course, there is. OG. Yeah. Yeah. He also wrote poems and sundry speeches, which he read aloud to them. And those who did not admire these, he would call to their faces illiterate (laughs) barbarians and often laughingly threatened to hang them all. The pirates were delighted at this and attributed his boldness of speech to a certain simplicity and boyish mirth. Okay, there's a modern political figure that's come to my mind with this, and I'm just not going to say any names, but it's like, oh, wow. Okay, moving uh, on. I told you. Yeah. Subtext. Yep. Leave it. Yep. Walking away. (laughs) After 38 days, they literally couldn't take it anymore. And as soon as the ransom arrived, they let him go. They're like, bye, don't let the gangplank hit you on the ass on your way out. (laughs) And, you know, he did tell them as he was leaving and literally the the hanged, quote unquote, depends on the translation because it could also be crucified. Oh, he said, oh, (laughs) thanks so much. And by the way, I'm going to crucify all of you. And they're like, yeah, you and what army? Well, Uh it turns out that a couple of weeks later, Caesar, who had no military or political power, managed to raise a small navy um, and sailed off to the island where they were camping out, captured the pirates and proceeded to crucify them. Holy shit. I mean, you got to... Give the guy props for follow through. Yes, I was just going to say that. Yeah. Um, he's, he's not just empty words. He's not just Mm-mm. all talk and no action. Um, yeah. Don't really like the words and actions, just, but. You know, he's, consistency you can, is yeah. reassuring. <laughs> you can take him at what he says. Right? Um, yeah. Oh, so, my God. Caesar gets back to Rome. 
And he sets up shop in the ancient Roman equivalent of a strip mall in a rundown part of the city and starts practicing as kind of a political ambulance chaser. Oh, my God. He prosecutes, uh, you know, minor politicians and, uh, you know, uh, remote governors and whatever. Just a lot of political middle management here and abroad for corruption and stands up for the little guy. So Literally long as they were so or, long as they were male and Roman, of course. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It, but <laughs> Always gotta keep that in mind. Right. Is he genuine in this? At this point, I think he is. And we'll okay. I will put a pin in that because okay. One of the things I like about this story is it's complex. Okay. You want so, me to write that down to revisit in the queue questions mm-hmm. and shit? Yeah. Yeah. Because okay. I think I think I'm going to I'm about to yeah. give you some more to okay. like chew on with this. So he starts running for political office, trying to rebuild his wealth and his family because Sulla had stripped him of everything, and. Around 69 BCE, he wins first his first office, and he starts rising pretty quickly in terms of position and power in the greater Roman. Like, one thing about the Republic of Rome was they had a an administrative and political system that was almost as complicated as ours. Wow. Like, with different levels of government positions, secretaries, deputies, deputy secretaries, vice deputy secretaries, like they just had a lot of different roles. Sorry, Kim, I didn't mean to hit my pop filter. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Then we find out, you know, there is one little flaw in Caesar's character and it's that it's just never enough. Mm. So in 67 BCE, he's out checking things out in Hispania or Spain, if you, you know. <laughs> and he comes face to face with a statue of Alexander the Great. And at so he's 33, and Alexander the Great died at 33. Uh-huh. And he looks at this statue and he's like, damn, I'm a failure. Because he's the same age as Alexander, but what does he have to show for it? Like Alexander literally had the known world at his feet, except for the Ukrainians, because he's like, bitch, they crazy. Um, And Caesar was just like middle management in terms of a political career. But who of us hasn't had that moment of looking at a peer of Alexander the (laughs) Crown? Or, or appear, and I'm doing that in an air. I'm doing air quotes. Mm-hmm. Um, or someone, maybe only a generation before us, who we don't sit there and compare ourselves. You know, yeah, compare oh. our own accomplishments or lack of next to this other person. It's, oh, absolutely. I think every human does that. Yeah, it, it's just when somebody who has the kind of follow through tenacity. (laughs) Yeah. Then we've got a problem. (laughs) I don't know. So he decides to do something about that. 
because he's not really into existential dread and he gets himself a generalship and he goes out and slaughters a shit ton of Visigoths, Vandals and Gauls who were just hanging out, minding their own business, doing minor border raids. And then when he's at home in Rome, he tries some actually very proto-socialist tactics such as ordering that uh, public lands of Rome be divided and redistributed among the poor and hmm. enforcing this with the army, if necessary. Interesting. Which kind of ruins the warm, fuzzy aspect of trying to, like, redistribute land to the poor and, like, balance out the, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. Also, uh, he orders his men to beat up and terrify one of the opponents to the bill who said he saw ill omens for society because of Ooh. redistributing wealth to the poor. Of course. They chased him wow. through the streets and people threw buckets of poop at him. <laughs> Can we bring that practice back? <laughs> he retired to his house, issuing the occasional bad omen statement, but staying safely behind closed doors. Oh, my goodness. Not. Yeah. <laughs> Moving along and just not thinking about present day at all. So more political and military Game of Thrones shit happens. And each incident is actually really interesting, but we're not going to do it. Um, okay. Until uh, Gaius Julius Caesar pins conquest of Rome to his vision board and then makes it happen. Wow. So you know the phrase crossing the Rubicon? No. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. No, Did no, you no, really no. Expect that's... me to know that phrase? Well, it depends because some people are like, well, that's crossing the Rubicon. Like it's I... it's like crossing the line. No. It it's the origin of the phrase crossing the line. So crossing the Rubicon. <clears throat> the Rubicon River was considered to be the northern border of Italy at the time. Oh. And so this is a river. Okay. Yes. Got it. And when Gaius Julius Caesar is on his way back from Gaul and deciding that, you know what, Rome is a fucking mess. I'm going to come in there and clean it up. Okay. And he crosses the Rubicon and he has one legion with him. Mm. And it's the 13th Legion. Oh. And basically, this badass bunch of bitches are like the Navy SEALs, Army Rangers, Green Berets, Delta Force, all rolled into one. Wow. Because they'd been with him on multiple campaigns in Gaul, which had been a very highly contested, <laughs> bloody, bloody, like, conquest. Got and it. the Legion had 3,500 men. Wow. That's it. Caesar planned to take Rome with 3,500 men. It sounds like a lot, but when you really stop and think about it, that's not a lot. No, especially when Rome had like a standing army of like 100,000 soldiers. Oh, shit. Something like that. Like I'm ballparking it, but it they oh. had a lot of legions. Wow. And they had a lot of generals there and everybody was, you know... On the face of it, you'd be like, oh, I don't know. You know, you've got 30 legions and all these generals and one guy and one legion. Um, 
But most of the politicians and civilians were like, yeah, these guys are incompetent because when was the last time you conquered Gaul? Mm. So uh, once he crosses the Rubicon, we get another familiar phrase. And this one, I'm pretty sure you've heard the die is cast. I have heard that and don't really get it other than it it means like things have started. Yeah. Basically, you have placed your bet and no matter how the dice lands, it's, you know, you've staked your future on the outcome of that one role. Yeah, there's no going back. There's That's no kind going of back. The, That's basically the it. The vibe yeah. that I get from that phrase. There's no and going back. And we literally now. have a the contemporary Athenian playwright Menander to thank for that phrase. Oh, okay. And uh, crossing the Rubicon or crossing the line is, uh, or the point of no return, is also what it means. That again is also from another um, Roman histor- ancient Roman historian. So. Julius Caesar marched into Rome and Game of Thrones shit happens. And he eventually is like, bitches, please. I'm just going to take a dictatorship and put in place some martial law until we get this all straightened out. Wow. And his major rival at that time was a guy named Pompey. Not Pompey. Okay. Pompey. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Now, he actually killed Pompey in 48 BCE. Oh. And he's like, you know, I deserve a break. So he takes a little vacation in Egypt and he indulges in, you know, getting involved in some Egyptian royal family intrigue and (gasps) has an affair with Cleopatra. Yes, and that's where we get all our fun movies and Halloween costumes. <laughs> yes, and basically, um, Cleopatra is a Dateline episode. Oh, fun. I think I'm going to write it as a Dateline episode <laughs> because literally it's I, – I, yeah. I can hear Keith Morrison or maybe Josh Mankiewicz or Dennis Murphy or okay. Andrea Canning, any of them. They could all do this. So anyway. So he kills Pompey in 48 BCE. Pompey's sons are kind of pissed and they give him some trouble in the middle of an otherwise pleasant series of re-elections as dictator and easy peasy military conquests. Oh, and there were a lot of parties. Like every time there's a military conquest, there'd be a quote unquote triumph, which was a big parade and lots of games and sporting festivals and religious celebrations, you know, like they partied like it was 1999 BCE. Like it was incredible. They had the Circus Maximus, which is not the Colosseum. The Circus Maximus was a big outdoor stadium where they did chariot racing. We've talked about outdoor chariot racing with the Olympics. They did um, performances where they hunted beasts, like wild beasts, like lions and tigers and all that. And they also took a lot of the captured soldiers that couldn't be turned into slaves. And they divided them up into teams with horses and elephants and said, go at it and fight to the death. (gasps) Oh, because that's fun. (laughs) Oh, Oh, yeah. Wow. Reality TV circa 
45 BCE. Yeah. Damn. At least it wasn't scripted back then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Except sometimes it was. But anyway. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, it legit was. Yeah. Uh, because we also had, you know, you remember the Pete Rose baseball betting scandal where he, yeah. you know, would throw certain games. Yep. Nothing is new. Yeah. Um, so now we start to get into a little bit of trouble because while he's putting on all these extravagant per- triumphs and parades and games and there's a lot of money going around, um, he's also you know, trying to pass a lot of reforms, very sensible reforms. He also is trying to pass, um, you know, he's trying to fix some of the wealth inequality, but um, he's also not starting not to say no to being a king. Oh. Uh I mean, make that a divine king. Oh, yeah. In fact, at one of the religious yeah. festivals, he was offered a kingly crown three times and he declined it three times, but that was just all for fucking show. Yeah. It was posturing. Yeah. He was yeah. laying the groundwork, planting the seeds because uh, huh? coins were now minted with his face on them. Oh. Remember the age of kings we talked about? Right. His statue was put next to the statues of ancient kings. Oh. They gave think- him a golden fucking chair in the Senate. Mm. Mm-hmm. And while, you know, Romans were always a little hypocritical and uncomfortable about displaying their wealth through their clothing, Caesar could wear triumphal dress whenever he wanted. And that meant he could wear a laurel crown, which is reserved really only for, you know, sporting victors and triumphal marches and a purple toga Mm -hmm. trimmed with gold, which was the symbol of divinity and royalty. Oh, yeah, because I think he's wearing purple in the movies. Yeah. So, okay. speaking of divinity, the Senate also set up a semi-official cult for Caesar with his nephew, Mark Anthony. Yes, that one. Yeah, As the high priest. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, not everybody is exactly happy about this whole hoopla, thinking that their representative republic wasn't exactly representative or a republic anymore. Yeah. And in early 44 BCE, Caesar was walking to the Senate building when a seer popped up and warned him, uh, beware the Ides of March. Oh, this is what we're getting to this whole time. Yep. Now, fun fact, there are also Ides in May, July, and October, according to the ancient Roman calendar. Okay. I don't even know what an Ide is. Is this the time to ask it's that the question? Middle. Oh. Well, it's, doesn't every month have a middle? Well, but it's it's it has to do with I think like I, I it has to do with the Julian calendar, which is slightly different than the Western calendar. Got it. Yeah. Right. So uh, again, that's it it involves math and counting and days and that sounds like a fun Patreon episode. That you will do. Um, <laughs> because I, I'm not going near that. But anyway, interestingly, the Ides of March was also the deadline for settling up debts. 
So yeah. Kind so, of like tax day. I wonder why they picked the 15th of April. Right? <laughs> Even though April technically doesn't have an Ides, um, according to ancient Roman. But anyway, so time goes by and the actual Ides of March arrives. And Caesar happens to be walking by the same seer. And we get this lovely little exchange, if you will. <laughs> well, old woman, the Ides of March are come. Hey, they are come, but they are not gone. Oh, shit. That's pretty good for an ancient clapback. I'm just saying. She's basically (laughs) saying, day ain't done, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) The day is not done yet. Oh, shit. (laughs) So Caesar enters the Senate building and some dude named Simber comes up to him with a petition for some bullshit or other. Caesar's like, later, dude, I got to get to the Senate chambers. But Simber and the other conspirators have now circled around him and Simber pulls down his toga. Oh, what? <laughs> it's not like he's trying to expose him, but like pulling down the toga sort of tangles you. Oh, he pulls down Caesar's toga. Yeah. Which, it, before you explained what it was, is even oh, worse no, no, than no, no, what no. was going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. He pulls down Caesar's toga. And Caesar's like, whoa, check yourself. Or more precisely, what violence is this? <laughs> and then this guy named Casca pulls out a knife and apparently incompetently stabs him in the neck. So it's it's just a flesh wound. Oh, my God. And... Depending on which historian you read, up to 60 people joined in the fun trying to stab Caesar, who was actually kind of a legit badass and kept fighting them off with his bare hands. Mm. It was only when he was blinded by blood flowing into his eyes, because like, you know how like a cut on your head will like just bleed like a bitch, but it doesn't, it's not necessarily fatal but right you know just because the blood vessels or the the veins or vessels or whatever they're so close to the surface exactly yeah so he was blinded by blood and he tripped and fell over his toga oh which is remember when simber pulled over pulled down his toga yeah and that's when the final blow was blows were struck ouch a physician later verified there were 23 stab wounds Oh, my word. But actually, only the one wound to his chest was fatal. That's crazy. Everything else was legit. A flesh wound. Oh, my God. That's crazy. (laughs) Even the ones to his neck. Like, these guys were not experts. I mean, there really are only, like, certain points that are, like, fatal with stabbing. Yeah. Which is interesting. But Wow. I love that this is the point that you (laughs) 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 Had they done their research. <laughs> right, right. I mean, I'm actually a bit surprised though at this time period that you would think that they would actually know this for self defense because Rome was actually a very dangerous city. Like there really weren't police, for example. So I, I am, I don't know. They've let well, me down. And also, I mean, Caesar was a battle hardened bitch. Yeah. Right. That is partly what surprises me. But you know, he also fought it off up until literally he tripped because he couldn't see. And probably there was blood on the floor and the sandals and marble and blood. And it just, you know. So there are actually conflicting reports as to whether he did have any final words. 
Um, mm-hmm. The chest wound might have impeded his ability to speak because, you know, filling his lungs and, right. you know. But others say he said something like, and you too, child, because they were all very young who were surrounding him, or a tu brute, as in Brutus, really? <laughs> oh. Because Brutus was his BFF. Oh. Yeah. And Brutus was actually the one who was, Brutus was kind of like a Judas. Mm. Just saying. I feel like we talked about this before, this little bit. And I don't remember in what context or I'm on not what sure episode. Either, but yeah, I do and kind it, of feel like it's familiar. Yeah. And it, it reminded me of Fenrir and Tyr. Mm-hmm. And the whole they were BFFs and it's like, yeah, he trusted well, Tyr and was betrayed. And, and, you know, it is complicated as we'll see in a minute. So thus fell Caesar <clears throat> on the Ides of March and he stayed where he fell for three hours because no one came to get his body. What? (laughs) Because Brutus stepped forward from the group of murderers to announce to the senators that they were now free of a tyrant. But the senators, when they saw what was happening to Caesar, had yeeted on out of there. Oh, my goodness. And the place was empty. And then Brutus and his buddies were trying to do a little triumphal march of their own through the city, proclaiming Rome is free from tyrants, but everyone, as they heard what happened, locked themselves inside and the streets were empty. <laughs> so, yeah, when your big PR move does not go as planned. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> now, a couple years later, um, I included an image of a coin oh. that Brutus had issued Oh, this is interesting. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Want to describe just, it? Okay. So it's circular as I guess most <laughs> coins are. There's got to be some reason no, why the, some coins of, some of them are are, typically... are, are square. It just yeah. depends. Right. Okay. Um it has along the left edge what looks like dotted lines or i'm gonna guess they're like maybe laurel leaves or something perhaps decorative decorative beading it could be uh, yeah yeah something around the left edge it has what looks in the center to be a very simple helmet Mm -hmm. on each side of that i'm gonna guess those are kind of uniquely shaped daggers yep and underneath that i'm guessing this is Whatever lay, I don't know what language Latin. this is. Latin, okay. Ide Mar, which I presume is Ides of March. Yep. And so it's like, remember what happened here. Mm-hmm. Th- it's, it's it's like having oh. Washington crossing the Delaware stamped on a coin. Wow. You know. So. Yeah. Yeah. Like saying, "Don't forget what I did." Yeah, or hey, I'm the one who freed you. Mm, okay. And what he really freed them from was uh, it's complicated. So yeah. things didn't end well with the assassination of Caesar. 
I mean, aside from the people surrounding his funeral pyre, getting really pissed off that he was dead and starting a fire that like burned half the forum, you know, Oh, people get emotional. Sure. Uh, Brutus, Mark Anthony and Caesar's grand nephew, Octavian all proceeded to have a rumble for power for several oh. years. Wow. Eventually, uh, Octavian I changed his name to Augustus Caesar and declared himself emperor. Oh. And, I mean, look, there was a decent stretch of 300 years or so after that uh, that was pretty, like, chill and peaceful, as known as the Pax Romana, um, so long as you were a free Roman male. But remember those Gauls with a grudge? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. All good things come to an end. And towards the end of the empire, <laughs> things were getting dicey. The empire actually split into two. And because it was very, very polarized between the Eastern Empire and the Western Empire. And, you know, the Gauls, the Visigoths, the Vandals, they're like, hmm. Wow. Sounds like a nice time for a Roman vacation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk Shakespeare for a hot second. Um, that guy. Yeah. We don't have a lot of funny quotes here, but I did pick out the tidbits from the play where you're going to be like, whoa, that's where that phrase comes from. Oh, right. Because he wrote like, I don't know what he, did he call it? Julius Caesar? He wrote a yep. play. Yeah. Yep. Julius yep. Caesar in okay, 1599. Title. All right. So I just picked out some quotes because I, I we're not going to do the whole damn play. So go, go for it. <laughs> okay. Cowards die many times before their deaths. The valiant never taste of death but once. Ooh, that's kind of like, wow. Yeah. I kind of like that one. Well, and it, you know, it it's not a very current popular phrase, but it it was definitely something that's been heavily referenced in, you know, quote unquote highbrow literature. Put that military a, training and stuff. Yeah, that one needs to go on a 90s motivational poster. <laughs> right. <laughs> a really fucked up 90s motivational poster. OG? There is a tide in the affairs of men, which taken at the flood leads on to fortune. I don't understand that one. So you know how a tide comes in and goes out? Yeah. Well, if you ride the tide in the right direction you're going to get carried along to your destination. Okay. So basically, sometimes a chance comes along and you got to seize it. Okay. So another 90s motivational yeah. poster. <laughs> yep. <laughs> ah, okay. okay. Let me have men about me that are fat. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yawned Cassius has a lean and hungry look. He thinks too much. Such men are dangerous. Uh, I have actually a little thing about this one, but I'll wait. Or do you want me to say it here? No, 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 wait. But uh, lean and hungry look is a phrase that I've seen many, many times. Like, you know, he has Mm -hmm. a hungry look about him. Yeah. That's where this is from. Uh Actually, that's, that was what Tom Hiddleston used that's to describe for Loki. That's was this. Oh, that was like part of the direction that he was given because mm-hmm. they wow. used a lot of Shakespeare to develop. The so he's Cassius. 
Yes, that's part. <laughs> yeah, there's several characters that they've mixed in, but I remember this yeah. was a particular thing. Mm-hmm. Wow. This that's other why one they is did also, extra oh. contouring on his cheekbones. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then this other one I know is actually the from a popular book title. I mean, mm-hmm. inspired the book title. So it says, the fault, dear Brutus, is not in our stars, but in ourselves. Oh, the fault is in our stars. Yeah, the book title being the fault in our stars. Yep. Interesting. Okay. Yep. I like that one. Cry havoc and let slip the dogs of war. Okay, so I've heard that phrase, the dogs mm-hmm. of war. Yeah. But I still I, I don't understand it in current use and I don't understand it in this sentence. Okay. So the dogs of war are kind of like the rabid crazy motherfuckers you unleash when you want to do maximum damage. Oh, okay. Because, you know, think of dogs baying and running and they're on the hunt. Mm-hmm. And cry havoc is like basically saying, you know, yell fuck it and let's yeah. go fuck some shit up. <laughs> That's yeah, basically the modern translation. Now, okay, I'm going to actually read this brief speech of uh, Mark Anthony, who was a relative of Caesar. And this is a speech that I didn't want to like break up because the whole thing is a masterclass in manipulation because it also points out things that are very reasonable and complex and yet are very gaslighting. Wow. Okay. So it it's um it, it's just a very interesting speech. So remember, Caesar was like extravagant and moving towards being a king, but he was also kind of social reforming, but also he was arrogant, but it's complicated. Right. So Mark Anthony at the funeral. Friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. I come to bury Caesar, not to praise him. The evil that men do, which is another phrase we know, lives after them. The good is oft interred with their bones. So let it be with Caesar. The noble Brutus hath told you Caesar was ambitious. If it were so, it was a grievous fault, and grievously hath Caesar answered for it. Here, under leave of Brutus and the rest, for Brutus is an honorable man, so are they all, all honorable men. Come I to speak in Caesar's funeral. He was my friend, faithful and just to me. But Brutus says he was ambitious, and Brutus is an honorable man. He hath brought many captives to Rome, whose ransoms did the general coffers fill. Did this in Caesar seem ambitious? When the poor have cried, Caesar hath wept. Ambition should be made of sterner stuff. Yet Brutus says he was ambitious, and Brutus is an honorable man. You all did see that on the Lupercal I thrice presented him a kingly crown, which he thrice did refuse. Was this ambition? Yet Brutus says he was ambitious, and sure, he is an honorable man. 
I speak not to disprove what Brutus spoke, but here I am to speak what I do know. You all did love him once, not without cause. What cause withholds you then to mourn for him? O judgment, thou art fled to brutish beasts, and men have lost their reason. Bear with me. My heart is in the coffin there with Caesar, and I must pause till it come back to me. Wow. He was not a fan of Brutus. Mm -hmm. No. That Brutus is an honorable man. Yeah. Said with tongue in cheek. Yeah. So, you know, like I said, this this speech is remarkable for its masterclass in gaslighting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yet it's, I feel like yeah. we've heard versions of it so many times. It, in our personal lives, in our political lives, like it's just, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Is, it's passive aggressive. Just a little. Like, damn. Yeah. It, it's. Uh, I, I know, work, right? I work with right? people who talk like this. <laughs> right? I work with these people. Yep. And it's, you're just, in that moment, you're just so stunned that you can't even react and call them out on this mm -hmm. until much later when you've processed it and you're like, oh my God. And mm -hmm. it, yeah, yeah, I work with these people. But it's you can get horrible. swept away by the emotion and the sort of, yeah. or that split second, well, he, he has a point, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So we've covered... The man, the myth, and now we're going to talk about the salad. <laughs> yeah. Because Caesar's everybody salad. thinks Caesar salad came from Julius Caesar. It did not. And I bet you learned about this in culinary school, didn't you? Nope. You didn't? Or if I did, I didn't care. <laughs> okay. So the Caesar salad originated with an Italian chef who had restaurants in California and Mexico. His name was Caesar Cardini. Oh, yeah. That's a common Spanish name. Yeah. Yeah. But he was Italian. Oh. Okay. Cardini is the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So okay. Rosa, his daughter, said he invented the salad in 1924 after he, after he ran out of ingredients in a July 4th celebration rush. <laughs> so he just threw some shit together and decided to pass it off with some flair by doing the chef toss at the table. Yep. Yep. And uh, since then, a number of Cardini staff have claimed that they invented the salad. Wow. Yeah. Julia Child claimed to have had the salad in the 20s when she was a kid visiting the hotel. And mm -hmm. in 1946, an article by the journalist Dorothy Kilgallen adds anchovies we're not sure if it's on purpose or not, to the recipe and talks about it as such. Okay. The big food rage in Hollywood, the Caesar salad, will be introduced to New Yorkers by Gilmore's Steakhouse. It's an intricate concoction that takes ages to prepare and contains Zowie. Does it really say Zowie in the review? Yes, it really says fucking Zowie. <laughs> Zowie? 1946, baby. Okay. <clears throat> 
takes ages to prepare and contains, zowie, lots of garlic, raw or slightly coddled eggs, croutons, romaine, anchovies, Parmesan cheese, olive oil, vinegar, and plenty of black pepper. Now, Rosa said that there were no anchovies in the original salad, but that the flavor came from Worcestershire sauce. Hmm. I, I don't know. She also said that the original called for whole lettuce leaves that were supposed to be lifted by the stem of your fingers and eaten that way. But I, that was an addendum in 1976 that she said, hmm. because I call shenanigans because <clears throat> no chef is going to toss a whole leaf right. that you're supposed to pick uh, up because yeah. it's going to break. So yeah, there you have yeah. it. The man, the myth, the salad. The <laughs> fucking end. <laughs> Happy Ides of March, bitches. Oh my God. Okay. And we'll be right back with this af- uh, after this with questions and shit. <laughs> now return to the Trump Mythology Gals for part two, questions and shit. I actually had a question for other Jen, but let's Uh-oh. talk about the first one. Okay. That and I'm, had. I'm adding two more in here. Okay, good, 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 good. All right. So um, the, the first question that we had early on was, was he genuine when he was standing up for the little guy? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, I think it, I think like most human motivations, it, it was a mix. I think partly he genuinely was like, wow, (laughs) there's, there's a lot of shitty conditions out there that we could, we, we could figure out. Uh, you know, something that could help them, you know, like, mm-hmm. what are you guys going to do with like another 300 acres of, you know, it's like, how much money can you eat? Yeah. Um, on the other hand, I think part of him was very calculating and like, well, you know, look, as long as they're free male citizens, then they'll vote for me, you know, a chicken in every pot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, my sense is that, you know, he definitely, I almost think of him sometimes as a Kennedy, like he was raised with wealth and privilege, kind of had to fight his way to the top. And he was very much aware that like, noblesse oblige, you have to pay back to society what you get. But, um, I think he was also very aware that, you know, uh, people who are entertained and have full stomachs are more likely to vote for you. Okay. Yeah. That, yeah. You know, I, I can't, I, I, I always hesitate to go a hundred percent one way or another with like a motivation. Cause I think he's just more complicated than that. Okay. So, um, the next question. So yeah. it was actually Mark Anthony who offered. So you got to read the. <laughs> okay, what was the whole thing with Brutus offering Julius Caesar the crown and him oh, declining? Right. Yeah, it was Mark Anthony that mm-hmm. offered him the crown, and that kind of leads into the question I had written down after this. So if it was 
Mark Anthony that was offering mm-hmm. the crown to Julius Caesar. Was this staged? Was this like the two of them plotting? Okay, here's what we're going to do in front of the crowd. It honestly, it according to the historical sources, it depends on who you read. <laughs> Got it. Okay. My gut instinct is like, fuck yeah, that was set up and staged. Are you kidding okay. me? Okay, yeah. Like, what better way to reassure the people, no, I do not want to be king. Yeah. He's <laughs> like a certain uh, f- female politician saying, no, no, I'm not going to run for president. I'm, I'm going to keep serving the people in this state where I'm... I'm currently elected and then runs for president because yeah, absolutely because like the people it. demanded it. Right. You know, yeah. and thus fell Caesar. Like, but I mean, any politician it could, you know, anybody who shoots, you know, who aims for a three pointer is potentially setting themselves up for this. But, you know, they also do a lot of, you know, uh, you know, the whole field of public relations and media relations, it's, it's all based on, you know, are you going to be able to appeal to a base, not emotion and not base in terms of like, you know, uh, simple or, you know, ugly, but base in terms of fundamental emotion okay. that we all feel. Yeah. And, you know, the, it was the Senate that conferred all these honors onto Caesar. He never asked for any of this. And even so at one point, like he... Like the statue over by the kings? Oh, well, the Senate gave me that. I didn't ask for it. And but, at one point, he even was like, nope, no more martial law. I resigned the dictatorship because we're done. We don't have any more problems. And then the problem came up and they're like, please be dictator. He's like, right. okay. Yeah. Yeah. And like it's face on the coins. I ha- I'm still in the camp that this was all staged. Oh. Manipulated behind the scenes. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so then when he's dead and mm-hmm. Mark Anthony's giving this funeral speech, mm-hmm. why is he such a dick to Brutus? Why is he being so passive aggressive to Brutus in that speech? Right. And it almost sounds like he's talking smack about Julius as well. But mm-hmm. is he? I mean, it's. He's it's not. pretty. F- it's all fucked up, and yeah, it sounds it, like he's uh, he's playing all four sides. Yes, of the game, and so um, I also want to kind of fold in the uh, was he wishing Julius was still alive? And the answer to that is no. Okay, he was not heartbroken. I think. I mean, he may have been because they were very close. But okay. on the other hand, I also don't think he was like, this is the end of the world. He's like, well, it's the end of the world for about a week, and then maybe I have a chance to become emperor. Okay. So Got it. Mark Anthony was 
reading the room. He was reading the crowd mm. and the crowd okay. w- was stunned because nobody had expected this. Right. And things were just starting to go well, like money had been coming in and things were okay, you know, a little civil unrest, but eh, you know, what's a little civil war between friends? Um, and, you know, so he's, he's trying to play up the fact that, um, you know, he's making Brutus out to be such a dick because he wants to capitalize on that resentment the people feel for flipping everything on its head sure. just as shit was settling down. Got it. And then why and did Brutus do this? Because he and his co-conspirators were really afraid that this was the end of democracy or the end of the republic. Okay. And ironically, by being so afraid of it being the end, they brought about the end. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, also, though, now that, you know, once somebody is gone, you know, you have the emotions of, you know, sort of fondly remembering, but then you also have this secondary swell of sort of recognizing, um, you know, recognizing that they were human and had flaws. And so somehow, you know, they were also starting to see that, well, maybe Brutus had a point, you know? Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, that's, I think, you know, Mark Anthony was trying to talk to those people a little bit, according to Shakespeare, of course. (laughs) Right, 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 right. But, you know, a lot of the phrases that we know come from, Shakespeare, like the dogs of war and a lean and hungry look and cowards die many times. Uh, You know, the brave only die once, you know, there's a tide in the affairs of men, you know, these are all, you know, friends, Romans, countrymen. Right. Yeah. That one I was like, Oh, Oh, I know these, I know this line. (laughs) Yeah. Hi Shakespeare. (laughs) And again, why the fuck waste time with goddamn Romeo and Juliet? Right? Yeah. Like when you've got this. Or if you're going to give us Romeo and Juliet, give me the real juicy parts. Point out what's really going on. Point yeah. out the subtext to me. I know it's a it's a classroom full of 17-year-olds and no, yeah, but just can't go there. But. <laughs> but here's the problem. I think we should be able to go there, honestly, because by 17... If you've watched MTV, and I'm dating myself by saying that, but <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm not yeah. advocating like inappropriate shit for kids, but I'm just saying you don't have to dance around certain interpretations, right? Right. So. Yeah. Anyway, um, so when you mentioned that you know Brutus and and his friends. Brutus and company. (laughs) Yeah, basically. Yeah. You know, when they're afraid of the end of their republic Mm -hmm. and with their actions to try to prevent the end of it, they actually caused the end of it. Mm -hmm. OG's going to be so proud of me. That's Odin and company 
yes. with Ragnarok. Yeah, I'm proud I of you too. That. I am very proud of you. I'm learning shit. You are. <laughs> and exactly, and you know, I mean, Shakespeare would have been familiar with. Greek yeah. and Roman mythology and history, and also with like the Norse legends, because that was very much tied into a lot of, you know, English history and Celtic, you know, pagan legends that still continued. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, nothing is new. <laughs> <laughs> I want a gold star sticker. You, you, you get, get two gold stars. Yeah, three. Three, yay! <laughs> Dang, yeah. No, she's I'll... just giving. She's giving me an extra for all the social media work. Yeah, I, do. I am. <laughs> Past seven <And> days. <laughs> your final question was, who was it that wanted the sun never to set on the Roman Empire? That was actually yeah. the British in the nineteenth century. Yeah. Oh, the Br- so it's the yeah. British Empire. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And the thing was, like, that the sun never set on the British Empire because they had so much. Right. Literally okay. every time zone. Yeah. Got it. Okay. All right. See, yeah. I'm I'm learning. I haven't learned everything. I'm still, well, so I actually have a long way to go. I have a question for you. What the fuck is a coddled egg? It's basically a egg that's cooked in a like a ramekin or a small little cup per se, mm-hmm. and it's cooked in a water bath at a very low, so gentle it's, it's temperature. L- literally coddled. It's given a bedtime story. Yeah. It's it's very slow. And it may be served not even fully cooked or So would that mean the white is still kind of runny or not even set? Potentially, yeah. I mean, you're going to have – you you go to a restaurant and you want your – an egg cooked sunny side up and Mm -hmm. you can order it at different degrees of doneness. Right. And you get the same kind of thing going on here. Oh, it's, okay, okay. Yeah. Or like like a the half-cooked egg you do for ramen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's like how do you want the you want your yolk runny or not? Yeah, cuz like in ramen you want that. the yolk runny, but you want the whites to be mostly set. set. Right. So coddled egg again, it's going to be, you know, particular taste of what do you, you know, how done do you want it? Gotcha. But it's once you go past a certain point, it's no longer a coddled egg. It's now a fully cooked hard boiled. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a hard boiled egg that just boiled extremely slow at a low temperature. Gotcha. So coddled, it's undercooked is probably a really good description. At, and it's cooked typically in a small little cup in a water bath of some sort. Gotcha. So. Okay. Because I was like coddled, like mm-hmm. a little rock by baby. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Somewhat. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Good little egg. <laughs> yes. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, no, I, I was looking at the official recipe for the Caesar salad. And, yeah. You know, I definitely want to discuss this. This is going to go in the Drunk Mythology Gals cookbook someday. (laughs) Yes, someday we'll make one. (laughs) But like, you know, can you, would Worcestershire actually give the same flavor as a, as an anchovy? Like that just seems weird. Um, well, Worcestershire sauce, I, I believe I am live Googling what is in it. Um, 
I it kind of has a brackish flavor, similar. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to Google. It's salty. Yeah, mm-hmm. I add it to like my mushrooms to give them like a more meaty flavor mm-hmm. when I'm about yeah. to add them to like I, a stroganoff or a. I leave it at the store. <laughs> I have some. That? I I don't know what to do with it. So it just stays in the fridge. It's I, I only get it when my parents bring it over because they're using it to make something. And then it just is there. I never have to buy okay. it. And yeah. I don't know yeah. what to do with it. Um, so I just Googled one recipe that's, you know, how to make your own. And it does not have any sort of anchovy in it. But I feel like there are some versions out there that contain anchovies. And mm-hmm. yes, so now I've found a Google result that says traditional recipes of Worcestershire sauce will Mm -hmm. include anchovies as one of the main ingredients. And many of the major brands, uh, says Lee and Perrins, which Mm -hmm. is a very common brand, has anchovies in it. I'm not... Interesting. I haven't looked up their website to confirm their ingredients, well, um, so I, I just looked on Wikipedia and it yeah. says that it kind of has a its roots in garum, the Greco-Roman oh, yeah. fermented mm-hmm. fish sauce. Yeah, there that was go. in everything they ate. Yeah, yeah. But this is much better than garum. <laughs> How just do saying. you know? Because <laughs> I've had fish sauce. Yeah, I've had fish sauce before and it's it's very potent. I, yeah. I bought it once and never again. Anytime I see a recipe calling for fish sauce, I'm like, nope, we'll no, leave I that out it. or put something else in its place. But Worcestershire is actually like I use it in my bolognese, my stroganoff. I use it like when I make mm-hmm. cream of mushroom soup, just like yeah. a couple drops add some depth to, yeah. you know, it sort yeah. of adds yep. a contrast to the cream. Yes. And so I did Google the Lee and Perrin's ingredient list, and mm-hmm. it does indeed have anchovies in it. And we also put this in a Bloody Mary. Yeah. So, yeah, it's I grew up putting it on just straight on to beef. Yeah. Like roast beef. I would drown it in uh, Worcestershire sauce because my mom would overcook it and it would be dry and oh, it had to have something. I, I I had well done steaks growing up too. Yeah, roast beef that that chunk. That, yeah, you know, overcook that till it's dry and it's ugh. yeah. So not good childhood. Yeah, no, memories. we're not going to do that. And so <laughs> we're going to end this with the fact that I'm going to make a Caesar salad tonight. Okay. I'm going to make a Bloody Mary. Well, maybe not tonight. We'll see. <laughs> oh, you should. Come on. Yeah. Do it. All and right. You're done we'll with see. the social media posting. You're free now. Yeah. Today was the last day. You're right. There yeah. you go. I'm all done. <laughs> I'll drink I'll drink my last uh, ginger beer. There we go. Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. What? Well, so. Uh, it's just I, ginger ale. That's Yeah, I know what ginger beer is. I'm just saying. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, next week, it's not me. Isn't no. it? What is? What? <gasps> Ooh. I, yeah, I guess there'll be time I can do the stupid necklace I can't ever pronounce correctly. The, the brissing? Brising, yeah, the brissing gammon necklace. Brising, the brissing gammon? You can hear the true story. Actually, yeah. 
there are two versions, but I'm just going to do one. Like, oh, it, it better be the dirty part. one. Oh, they're, they're both dirty, though. Oh, <laughs> dirtier. They're both pretty dirty. I mean, okay, fine. <laughs> it's basically an, an orgy in a cave is how it starts. So, <laughs> oh, my goodness. Is there a waterfall? <laughs> I don't think so. I think there's no waterfall. Okay. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, it's great. Okay. If All anybody's right. wondering these references, it's subtle references to OG's book that just yeah. dropped. Yep. And so, yeah. yeah. There was only one in. waterfall. <laughs> <laughs> There's a cave and a waterfall. Uh, yeah. So, all and a right. necklace. <laughs> yeah. There you go. So, uh, in the meantime, subscribe your souls. Your souls. <laughs> yes. Social we media want your scrolls. souls. <laughs> The we're truth on, comes out. <laughs> As if it was hard to guess. Um, we're on Instagram at Drunk Mythology Gals. On Twitter at Drunk Myth Gals. On Facebook at Drunk Mythology Gals. On the web at DrunkMythologyGals.com. On Patreon at Patreon.com slash Drunk Mythology Gals. Or send us an email. Kate's been helping me check the email lately. <laughs> gals at DrunkMythologyGals.com. <laughs> And special thanks as always to Sound Effects Kim for putting the top spin on our sound. And thanks again to all of you for joining us. Please subscribe, leave a rating or review, and tell your friends and family about us, especially if they are like, hey, so uh, you're thinking about uh, establishing a dictatorship? Yeah, that'd be great. Have some salad. Yeah, no, that's not a knife I'm pointing at you. Finally, always remember, if the gods can behave badly, then so can you. Thank you.